Hello and welcome to the Sports Grad Podcast, your bite-sized guide to enter the sports industry. My name is Ruben Williams and welcome to a very special episode of the podcast today. My dear friend Ryan Walker is not with me today. Today, we are going to take you back to one of our favorite episodes of the year with Aman Alawalia from the Kansas City Chiefs, who's then moved on to the Brooklyn Nets. Now, the reason why we're taking you back to this episode is because we did a Q&A session with Aman all about networking. Aman is the absolute networking guru. So we had a whole bunch of questions come in and we had him answer them. And the reason why we are bringing your attention back to this episode is because our sports grad meetups are just around the corner. Tomorrow night, we're going to be at the Wembley Hotel in Perth. That's on the 3rd of November. We've never been to Perth before, so we're very excited to meet all our friends over there for the very first time. We're then going to Sydney on the 10th of November at the Commons in the CBD. And then on the 11th of November, the Melbourne meetup is happening at Centrepiece in the heart of the Melbourne Sporting Precinct, which is going to be an absolutely huge event. If you want to go to any of those, grab a link, grab a ticket through the link in the bio of the show notes uh, to get involved. Now, I want to throw straight into Amar because he's got some absolute words of wisdom so that if you do choose to come to one of these events, you are absolutely equipped to make the most of the night. You're not afraid to go up and talk to anybody. You know how to follow up. It's not awkward. It's not weird. You can just go out and be yourself, make some awesome connections, and then have some really cool results come from it. Last week, we talked about some of the great things that have come from networking in our own lives, many of which have been jobs or opportunities that would have never have entered our scope had we not known the right person. So enjoy Aman Alawalia. We hope you get plenty of inspiration and insight about networking. Here he is, Aman Alawalia. Aman, welcome back to the SportsGrad podcast. I'm honored to come back. I appreciate it, Ruben and Ryan. This is uh, this is very exciting for me. I'm 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 honored to have to be uh, to be able to come back and uh, talk some more. Well, the Brooklyn Nets are Australia's go-to team at the moment. You've uh, you've picked a great place to end up. Yeah, you know it's uh, it's funny how these things work out, right? You know we're 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 lucky enough to have Kyrie, who was born in in Australia, Ben Simmons, uh, Patty Mills, who's been the superstar of the season so mm. far. Love me some Patty, <laughs> um, and then of course we've also got uh, Sean Marks, who's uh, who's a Kiwi, not necessarily an Aussie, but uh, he's close enough. So yeah, we're uh, we're we're slowly. I don't think it was on purpose, but we're slowly becoming uh, you know. Australia's team. Big big fan of the Oceania region, the Brooklyn Nets. Mm. Exactly. I, I, exactly. I do remember there was that bit of it. There was a time where there was that play to try and get Kyrie Irving to play for Australia. I think he just quickly shut that down immediately. Like that is not <laughs> happening. But we still like to claim that Kyrie is somewhat Australian. Mm. Exactly. Exactly. No, definitely. Now, Aman, I've brushed over your role. Can you explain a bit more about what you do day to day with the Brooklyn Nets? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, BSE has gone through a fair amount of change. Uh, you know, they were recently uh, acquired by Joe Tai Sports, um, which is very exciting. There's been lots of leadership change, lots of philosophy change as well, which, you know, was very exciting for me to come and join. Um, and so within that, they've kind of restructured what is the brand uh, and partners uh, solutions department. So the brand and partner solutions department, we call ourselves BPS internally, is sits under marketing, but we essentially service the partnerships team. So essentially kind of what I was doing uh, in, in my past role in Kansas City. However, there's a little bit more focus on the creative side and the design side. So we do have a graphic designer that sits on our team as well as three nice. junior coordinators who are very skilled and very talented at building decks and presentations. Um, but then we're doing a lot more of the brainstorming. We're doing a lot more of the, um, you know, almost like an internal agency, if you will. And then again, my role has been, you know, kind of consistent throughout in terms of the data person and kind of trying to think a little bit more strategically about, okay, here's the story, here's the data that we can use to back it up. And I really appreciate um, our organization's uh, commitment to use data as not just a gut check, but more or less help us tell the story. So again, you know, in Kansas City, working on naming rights and working on large partnerships for the Chiefs, 
at BSC, had a chance to work and help tell the story. Again, a very small part, but still, nonetheless, a small part. And it, it is necessary with uh, with the Jersey Patch, with Weeble, and then some of our other larger partnerships as well, too. So, again, it's been a little bit different, but still very similar in terms of using data to help tell the story, which uh, I'm a big fan of that myself. It sounds unreal. The fact you've got a graphic designer in your team is huge. I remember that. <laughs> I think a lot yeah. of people out there in partnerships who like who need to put together decks <laughs> would appreciate having a graphic designer in there to, to piece that one together. Mm. So that's yeah. huge. And, and 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 really quick, what's interesting is that you know my boss Ron Goldenberg, he came from the NBA and he's been fantastic to learn from. He's got quite a bit of a you know self-taught graphic design and some of the presentations he's put together has been amazing. But we managed to add uh, Patrick for, to our team who came from Slam actually. So again, really someone yeah. who's very in the culture. NBA basketball focus uh, has been super great asset to our team. I was just on a call with him um, as we're kind of planning for our 10th anniversary. So this is the 10th year in Brooklyn and the 10th year of Barclays Center. And so some of the slides that we're working on, um, just blown away personally from from what he can conjure up. So yeah. it's really exciting. Nice. Wow. 10 years in Brooklyn. That has absolutely <laughs> flown. I remember that happened. Yes. But Aman, today's episode... What have we done? We've put the call out. We've put the call out to the Swarsack community. We thought we need to get Aman back and, and who better to come on the podcast and answer the questions of the Swarsack community out there than yourself. So we've got a few questions here that, you know, we're confident you'll be able to nail for the listeners out there. Um, and we're basically just going to work through them because uh, they are the burning questions that people have about, you know, whether it's networking or you know, career direction, anything like that, we thought we'd bring you in to to uh, to solve these ones. So, and for those for those who are wondering why we brought Aman back, just go back to episode fifty seven and have a listen to some of Aman's approaches to how he got in the door at the Kansas City Chiefs from San Diego State. I think your approaches to that were magnificent, and the fact that you are where you are today is uh, is telling. So, um, really keen to hear your responses to the questions that we've been sent through. Well, I appreciate the the high praise, guys. Hopefully, I can live up to this and uh, and provide some good insights. Right, I think you know, just similar to what you guys are doing, right? Like providing the insights and kind of helping people navigate this very difficult career choice or career path. Like it's not easy. And again, I I always recommend your guys' podcast because you guys really break it down almost piece by piece. And I'm happy to hopefully uh, install whatever wisdom I've got to to hopefully the next uh, crop of young sports um, people in the industry. Awesome. Uh, do you want to go first or do I? All right, I'll, I'll fire away. So uh, this one here is from James. James says, uh, Aman, I have organized an informal Zoom chat next Tuesday with the head of HR and a person within the consultancy team at a talent agency. In preparation, do you have any tips slash resources on how I should prepare myself and what questions should I ask to make a good first impression? I would really appreciate your advice on my upcoming chat. Well, James, it sounds like you're already off on the right foot to begin with, if, I, if, if I'll be honest, right? You know, scheduling time is usually sometimes the hardest thing to do, right? Trying to find time or try to break through the cold email, if you will, um, can be sometimes difficult. So um, my feedback would be to do your research, Um understand who these people are, what makes them unique, right? What is their favorite football team or rugby team? Understand maybe, you know, is there a social media account that is public that you might be able to, you know, gather some information from? I mean, if you were to read my Twitter feed, you would often find um, Brooklyn Nets or Canada soccer or anything else going on in, in that realm. And that might be a good uh, conversation of, uh, of topic to kind of maybe break the ice. So I, I would do a little bit of research. I would do research on the agency potentially some key clients or key events that have happened maybe in the last call it, you know, three to six months, potentially, maybe even a year, you have to go a little bit further back. Um, and then think about what you want to get out of it, right? I find that often when people try to set up time with me to kind of better understand who I am, I do often refer them to this podcast interview that I did episode 57, or some of the other podcast interviews. I don't do that because I like my ego. I do it for a couple of reasons. I do it one because I want to get the followers up and the viewership up for people that do great work, such as yourselves. Thank I you. also want <laughs> them to. <laughs> I also want them to better understand like my journey, right? I think talking about my journey 
um, is something that you can do on LinkedIn. And personally, when I take time to accept to talk to people about their career or how I can help them, I want that time to be focused on them. Not, you know, I'm from Winnipeg. I went to school at Dalhousie. I went to school at San Diego State. That is all in my LinkedIn. Maybe not the Winnipeg part, but for the most part, you could kind of piece it together, right? And so I would rather have them ask me questions about, you know, I see that you made a change or your, your, your job role changed. Why did it change? How did you ask for the change? Was it, were you proactive? Like, so better understanding that. And I've done that sometimes too, where I'll go, look, I've done my research at a very high level. I saw you went to this university big fan or whatever, you know, go Wolverines or, you know, go Aztecs <laughs> or anything like that. Right. Um, but I wanted to dig a little bit deeper and kind of get to know you more specifically about your role. And so I would say to James for the HR person, if you're interested in HR, right? Like what does an average week look like? I've, I've never been a big fan of asking the question about what does an average day look like? Because there really is no average day, right? And you guys know mm. that better than anyone else. But I often like to say when someone asks me that question, well, I have an in-season and an out-of-season. When I'm in-season, I'm doing these types of things. When I'm out-of-season, I'm doing those types of things. And so rather than giving a just generic, well, today, I mean, I had a bunch of meetings that wasn't very <laughs> exciting, right? Um, so again, to kind of wrap it up and put on a bow here, I, I would say think about different things that you want to accomplish, right? And kind of work back from it. I've always been a very much a, what's the end goal and how do I get back? Now, if the end goal is to get a job, I wouldn't recommend necessarily asking for a job on that call. That's personal preference. Sometimes it can come off as a little bit pushy, but I would say like, okay, what types of things did you do to get noticed here when you were applying or who should I speak to or who should I think about when looking at other great candidates or people that have really led the way in the industry or who, is your, who are your role models? Things like that. Mm, that's awesome. And when you mentioned that point around asking questions about why you made a transition at the time that you did, why did you change jobs? How can you stayed for one year? How can you stayed for eight years? I had a conversation with um, one of our members, James Briggs, recently, and he was going for a job at sports entertainment network over here in Australia. And he was asking me, what sort of questions should I ask the interviewer? And I referred to your episode saying, hey, do your research on the people interviewing you and ask them, why did you make the move? Why have you been at SEN for eight years? How come you left, um, you know, Channel 9 after one year? And so I think these sorts of interactions where you're just having a Zoom chat, you're just having a coffee, a great time to kind of practice preparing the questions that you can then take into an interview down the track. And lo and behold, James got the job. So thank you, Omar. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I would only, I would just I would like to add one thing is that prepping these questions, when you do lots of these, it becomes second nature. I remember when I was first doing this, when I was uh, at San Diego State, when I really kind of started to put pen to paper and really target all the people across every industry that I wanted to. And I used to have these set set of 10 questions. I would check them off. And then I realized that after doing something for a while, you start to develop those skills, right? Just like you guys have built this natural ability to, you know, jive off of each other and you get your podcast is super well polished because you've had over a hundred episodes. It wasn't, right? start. <laughs> it wasn't at the start. <laughs> right, exactly. But like to a certain extent, I found that when I asked certain questions, they gave me no real insight. So I stopped asking those questions. I made adjustments. And one of the questions I used to ask was, for example, right? What does an average day look like? And I kept getting these really unhelpful answers because I wanted to know if I was going to choose corporate partnerships, what my day-to-day -day might look like. And for me, asking what does a day look like, you know, that might not give me the answer. I want to know because I'm mm. going to do it for, you know, hopefully 700,000 days plus of this, right? Yeah. So kind of better understanding the jibes and the flows um, is super important. I reckon that the better question then what does my average day look like is what are the biggest problems you face as a team? Because like, essentially your yeah. day is going to be solving problems a lot of the time. So if you can understand yeah. what the problems are, you probably have an indication of what, you, what you're going to be doing. That's just me. Exactly. Mm. No, no, I think, I think yeah. you're right on there. Um, second question, that, that was amazing. Thank you for that first one uh, from Abby. Uh, what's an appropriate amount of time to follow up with someone after you've caught up with them? So I have, I, I don't know if it's a unique approach, but I've never really asked other people um, what they do, but this is what I do. So personally, 
I am a big fan of you've met somebody, you've had a call, sending a LinkedIn request almost right away, following, right? It yeah. instantly, you know, they're going to remember you. You know, it's hard to forget somebody 15 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour after you've, you've, you know, you've had a conversation with them. Hopefully they do want to remember you in that sense as well. Um, but assuming that all goes well, I usually do the LinkedIn request with a little bit of a note talking about something that happened. And then what I will do potentially is send a follow-up email later that night or the following morning, right? One of the things I'm very focused on personally when I'm networking or thinking about networking is staying top of mind, right? And I think people do a really good job of that within the first week. Um, I'll say this, and again, you know, I went to San Diego State and I had a chance to go back and speak to the class and talk to them about, you know, networking and different things like that. They all had good questions. But again, it's how do you stay top of mind so that when I do have a role or I know somebody that's hiring, and again, I have a lot of people reach out to me to say, hey, we're looking for someone similar. Do you know anyone, right? And of course, the ideal person that I've connected with would be top of mind. Now, the follow-up is great. So I like to do usually kind of right away and then an, an email. Prior to COVID, I used to write a note as well too. So I would do a handwritten note on top of the email. Now it seems like a lot and maybe it is to me, but like some of the people that I've remembered to this day and one of the person is that, you know, uh, Logan Dickinson, who was my intern in Kansas city. She, when she left her internship, she wrote me a handwritten note that was tied to the interview that we had. And I had left before that happened. So that was during my little bit of weird visa time in Kansas city, but I still remember what she wrote. And the quote was something that I had told her and asked her a question in an interview. Now, again, that's like, you know, platinum, ultra, ultra platinum I love that. level of like <laughs> yeah. that, which was awesome. And again, she's so well remembered in terms of her time in Kansas City of what she did. But it's how do you stay in touch three months later, six months later, nine months later, a year, two years? How are you maintaining that relationship? Because you can do it for a week. It's really hard to do it for a year. And I, and I am not the best at that myself. I, I have to work on it because it is hard. Mm. Mm. And th that little note that you mentioned, how long do you reckon it took her to put that together? Oh, I mean, I couldn't have been very long. I mean, no. maybe five Two minutes tops, And, and we're still talking about it now. Like, yeah. it doesn't take much to yeah. have a lasting impact. I will, I, I will say this. Emails I file away into my inbox or wherever my folders. Notes, they usually sit on my desk <laughs> for at least a month. And then I get rid of them. But like, for me, it's like almost etched. I could probably almost list off every person that sent me a handwritten note tied to a, a follow-up or a conversation or whatever the case may be. I could probably, I could probably list you the 10 people that, that I've done over my career. Mm. That's wow. awesome. I remember um, in the previous chat we had, you talked about your own little email blast that you would send out, you know, every couple of months to say, hey, this is what I'm doing. Yeah. This is where I'm up to just letting you know. Yeah. Yeah. That was one of the things that like, for me, I, you know, I got an email from someone that had reached out and was like, Oh, I hope you remember me. And like, for me personally, like I've got a fairly good memory. I don't know if everyone else does, but like <laughs> I, when I set, you know, when I set 30 minutes aside, I, I usually like to remember the person in some way, shape or form. Um, but you know, they went this whole thing and I, you know, I don't want to bother you. And like, for me, I feel like, like that's unnecessary. People are genuinely good people. People will tell you if they're not interested or they'll just slowly kind of stop responding. And that was kind of my hint that I took. But the people that I kept doing that with every three, six months, um, you know, I, I built some great relationships and, you know, kept them in, in, in the loop on what I'm doing. Now, I'll admit I haven't done one in a long time because I've changed my approach a little bit where I'm really focused on, let's call it 10 to 15 people where I'm texting them maybe once a week, maybe twice a week or, you know, sorry, once every two weeks, sorry, once every month. Um, and I don't need that big email, but what I'll do now is I'll use an excuse of a big highlight or a new sponsorship to reach out to people on kind of a more personalized level, because I'm at that point in my career where I don't need to keep in touch with 150 people. Maybe I do, but I'm not that point where, I've built the relationships over those years where if I need something, it's not awkward to be like, hey, I need something. It's like, hey, we've recently chatted. 
you know that this is this is from a good intention perspective that I'm not trying to just use you as a connection. Mm, yeah. You know, I, I have some value that potentially I could add or you could potentially help me with. And I would like to kind of cash. I don't say cash that in because I think that's a, that, that, that makes it sound very transactional. But mm. if you put in the time and you put in the work, the relationship, you can take from the relationship as much as you can give as well. And I think that balances out. Mm. Yeah. And now you can just rock up to NBA All-Star Weekend and bump into everyone there <laughs> and, and keep the conversation going. <laughs> exactly. And, on, and honestly, that's that's kind of what I did, right? I mean, I put it out on LinkedIn that I was going and it had some traction to a certain extent, but it's even just simply just texting people that I know and going, hey, are you going to be an All-Star? Nope. Okay. All right. No worries. But at least that's like another check-in point that I can then reference back of, hey, I'm trying to meet you. You know, let's figure it out. You might be in Cleveland. You might not. If not, Okay. That's an excuse to catch up maybe in a couple of weeks. Mm. Amazing. Nice. Uh, Aman, this next one's from Akil. He says, is it professional to add the people who are interviewing you on LinkedIn prior to the interview? So again, this is one where I'm, I'm I don't want to say a LinkedIn snob, but I'm, I'm very <laughs> particular about the way that I handle this. So personally, I don't accept a LinkedIn request with someone until I've had the conversation. Now, one that gives me an out a little bit to potentially if the conversation is horrible. And again, I don't think that's ever happened to a certain extent where I've never accepted it. Um, I might not be as quick to accept the next day, but I think for me, it's, I like to try to keep my LinkedIn network. I don't want to say tight, but very like consistent to the point where I'll remove people where I'm like, I I don't think I can call that person anymore. Or like, I really don't know where I met that Mm. person. Um, because I want it to be where if, if Ruben or Ryan, you guys reach out and say, hey, I really want to get to know this person at this team. Can you connect me? I want to feel being like, I want to say, yes, I can do that for you. That's not a problem. And so it's hard when you have, you know, the 500 plus or whatever, thousand connections, whatever you have, keeping track on that. But I also think that like just over time, life changes and some people maybe just aren't as close as you thought they were as a connection. And so I want my network to be, something that I can help, I can use to help people and that I can use it to help myself to a certain extent to help other people, right? So um, I don't think there's any issue on sending a connection before. Like I mentioned, I think the note is the most important part of LinkedIn because it, it helps you stand out. And I gave this example, I think potentially on the last time was, you know, when I posted about my Super Bowl ring, random people just kept adding me, like just random, they looked like bots to be fair. Um, <laughs> and the people that put a little note or something in there, oh, hey, I see you went to Dalhousie, or hey, I see you're Canadian, would love to connect. Instantly, that drew me to the, let's call them 400 requests, and I was interested in that because there was something worth exploring. I'm a curious person, Mm -hmm. and there was like, oh, interesting, like, let me learn more about this person. So, yeah, I don't think there's, um, Akil, I don't think there's any issue with adding it before. Everyone is different. Personally, if you did it with me and we were interviewing, again, it would show that you're taking the initiative to try to meet. But again, for me, I just have this weird rule that I'm going to accept it after we talk just to make sure in that sense. Yeah, I, I'm probably the same on that one. I, I mm-hmm. don't think I've ever added one before an interview, but I think after is probably okay because an interview really is a discussion, right? You, you, you're meeting them. So you're finding out more about them and, and what the organization is. You're talking about yourselves. So I think that's probably mm-hmm. fine to do it straight after, but... Maybe before is a little, little far. Yeah, a bit much, I think. <laughs> I think even if you just research the person, right, they'll see that they saw your profile. I yeah. think it does the same thing, right? And yeah. it's not as, I don't say forward, but again, everyone is different. And this is the part of it, right? Whenever people ask me for resume advice, I always go, look, this is my perspective. There's a thousand ways to do a resume. Take my input. Don't take my input. At the end of the day, it's up to you in terms of what you think <laughs> yeah. makes sense for yours. Yeah, I like that point. Like you can view their profile. You can get all the information you need from that, Adam, afterwards. Great, we love that. Um, next one here, Aman, is from Grace. And she says, what's an appropriate amount of time to follow up the interviewer following an interview? So this is one where it is hard to wait, Right. After an interview, you want to get an answer. Yes, I'm moving on. No, I'm not accepted. No, of course, no one wants to hear the word no. But to a certain extent, there is closure, right? And knowing that you don't have to keep waiting. Because honestly, waiting is 
Waiting is the worst. Um, <laughs> so as someone that can be impatient, um, personally, I like to ask the interviewer or the interview. Yeah. At the interviewer at the end and say, what is an, a rough expected timeline that I might be hearing back from you? Should I be moving on? Right. And then that kind of gives them, and again, they may say two to three weeks. Okay, great. I'll, we'll follow up within two to three weeks if I don't hear from you, right? Could be a way to do that, or at least it gives you a rough timeline to better understand, look, we're trying to make a decision as quickly as possible. Okay, so I should maybe hear back within two to three days. We've just started the, <clears throat> we've just started the process. We're interviewing just, to, you're, you're, you're the first candidate of 10 we're going to interview. It could be three to four weeks till we decide who's on the next stage. Okay. Now, again, if you ask kind of the timeline, that's always been a great way to do that. If you did not ask that question, you could always follow up with the interviewer and say, hey, I just wanted to follow up with one further question. I just wanted to get a better understanding of the timeline. Any insight as to what the time frame might be would be gratefully appreciated. Yeah. What if, what if say, that, you know, they've come back and said, okay, on the 15th of Feb, we'll, we'll get in touch with you or by that date. And you follow up on the 15th, you don't hear anything. How long do you wait again? Is it a two-day thing? Is it a yeah, – I feel I like it's a question people always struggle with. Like how, how hard do you want to go yeah. to get that answer? I would say this. Try to put yourself in their shoes and understand maybe better where you might feel, right, as being pushy. For me – I think if you say, look, we should know by Feb 15th, right? And to be fair, I don't think I've ever heard an HR person ever say a specific date. So mm. if they do, that's usually maybe a, a unique unicorn that you <laughs> run into. <laughs> However, um, I would say personally that if you reply on the 15th and you don't hear anything, I would wait maybe two to three business days before following up again. And again, after that, if there's still no response, I would wait maybe five business days potentially, right? So I wouldn't necessarily go three, three, three. I would kind of extend out the time a little bit, knowing that mm. at that point, you're probably being a little bit pushy if you're doing three, 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 almost like robotic. Um, but again, I, I am a huge fan of like still being like, I'm interested in the position, would love to know where I stand. Etc. Again, because mm. ultimately, like I said, you're trying to get two answers. One of one, one of two answers. I'm I'm gonna you know sit tight. We're moving you forward, or hey, this is not a good fit. Okay. Either way, there is some outcome that is better than waiting in the middle, and I, I get that it's hard. Mm. Yeah, you're right. It's such a dilemma for candidates, and such a fine line to try and tread. But I think you've I think you've nailed it perfectly there, Aman. This next one comes from Aiden. Aiden says. I get really nervous before meeting someone for a coffee or over Zoom. Any strategies to help settle me down? What's your mindset like before you enter a networking situation? So I might recommend not having coffee um, during <laughs> coffee potentially if you're nervous or you've got some things that you don't want to settle down. Um, you know, look, I, I think we all get anxious. Even sometimes when I'm talking to people, right, who are very senior and who have agreed to talk to me, um, you know, I, I get nervous too. And my wife has seen that before. So personally, what I do is I like to listen to a little bit of like pump up music that kind of gets me in the, in the mentality. Nice. Um, I also like to write my questions down, right? If I can look down and I don't have to think about it because I've already thought about it, that's another good way for me to kind of, you know, if I'm fumbling over my words or I'm stuttering or I'm having just trouble pulling at it, Sometimes I will just write it down knowing that like that could potentially be another good way for me to just go, okay, wait, no, this was a question I wanted to ask. And again, if you're doing it in person, I've always been a huge fan of bringing a notebook and a pen, write down the answers, write down the things. One, it shows you're engaged. Two, you may actually be able to better remember the answers at a later date. And then three, if you've asked your questions and you're crossing things off, it looks like you're prepared, you're organized, you've come to this and the other person's time is not going to feel like they're wasted. So in terms of the anxiousness, right, maybe doing a trial interview with a friend or someone that you trust, right, a family member potentially just, hey, these are the questions I want to do. Can you do a mock interview with me? That would be something that I might recommend. Yeah, it's such a good point. Preparation can go a long way to just settling you down. And it's like with anything, it doesn't matter if you're an 
AFL footballer trying to have a set shot for goal. You know, you would have taken that set shot a thousand times at training beforehand. Um, a more recent personal example is I had to get up at my best mate's wedding the other weekend and, and do a Bible reading. And I was yeah. like packing my dacks. I've never been so nervous <laughs> in my entire life because I didn't want to stuff up my friend's wedding. And so I spent the few days before it just like reading over the verses that I had mm-hmm. to get up and say. Yeah. And um, like I do a lot of speaking these days and don't get too nervous about it, but I've never been so nervous in my life for that moment. And so preparation kind of became the thing that I fell back on. And I think, I think it's one of the things where once you do this often enough, like I said, just with your guys, with the podcast, with me doing informational interviews, once you do something over and over and over again, it becomes secondhand nature, but it takes time, right? I wouldn't expect to after two times that you'd be an expert, right? I just think mm. that that's just not, it's just not feasible, right? I mean, I'm sure by episode 10, you started to notice a difference from episode one. And by episode 50, you noticed a huge difference to episode 10. And by episode 100, you're now even improving, right? So it's it's constantly improving um, that will potentially help you continue to develop. And then the anxiety, the stress, the nervousness, all that will start to fall away because it's, at some point you're going to be so confident in what you're doing and the questions you're asking. And, you know, if I ask this question and they go this way, I can go this way. Or, mm. yeah, that's how I think about it. I don't know how, how, how anyone else does, but yeah. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, preparation, just it's key. Key to everything. Next question, Amman, we've got Laura. Uh, Laura says, hi, Amman, I've just finished high school and I'm starting my first year of university here in Australia. I don't know anyone who works in sport and am not sure how to get started. What should I do? Well, Laura, I really appreciate the ambition. I mean, my goodness, if, if, if I had a kind of your ambition coming out of uh, coming out of high school, I don't know where I'd be. But um, look, I think you're off to the great start in terms of joining this sport grad community and listening to the podcast and better understanding. I mean, obviously, Ruben and Ryan have had some incredible guests, you know, far better than me to a certain extent <laughs> in what they're doing. And honestly, you're up there with the best. <laughs> well, uh, let's not let's not put me up there just yet. Right. But uh, so I think, honestly, Laura, I, for you, I would recommend, you know, going through and just listening to different podcasts, uh, you know, sport grad, there's other ones that exist where they just interview people and they under, you know, that could be a great lead list for you to start. Right. I mean, Michael from the Bengals, right. I'm sure if you were interested in the NFL, like that would be a good person to reach out to. And if you had a connection or you said, Hey, you know, um, I'm part of the sports grad community. I heard what you did. I'm very interested in learning more. I'm very early on in my career and I'm, you know, I'm trying to figure that out, but, in your position, really, the, the world is your oyster, right? You really, really mm-hmm. have no preconceived notions about what I want to do, what I don't. Like, you, you know, you can have, a, ha- have your pick, right? And so kind of cycling even through the sport grad roster of interviewees on the podcast would be just even a, just an initial starting point from step one, right? Super easy, very low lift. You can scroll through your iPhone on, you know, whatever on the, uh, on, on Apple podcasts and you can just look at names and then you can go into LinkedIn and Google and then that's step two. And from there, you've already got in, you know, an understanding of, okay, there's sport at the junior level, there's sport at the senior level, there's sport internationally, there is sport for fun, sport for competition. And sooner than later, you've got this whole plethora and Rolodex of people that you know or better understand can reach out to and say, hmm, this is interesting to me. I might want to do this for a full-time job. And that's literally how I started. I just kind of said, I want to work in sports. I want to work on a team and I'm in the States doing my degree. So I want to try to stay in the States as long as I can. So let me look at all the teams that I'm interested in. Let me research all these people. Let me look them up, find the ones that are really interesting and cold emailed them. Not everyone's going to respond. And I, I'll be very clear. No, not everyone did. But those that did is how I started. And you got to start somewhere, right? You know, mm. how do you climb a mountain? You put your foot right in front of the other, <laughs> right? You, you just, you just kind of keep yeah. going, right? Mm. So That's a great idea. And it kind of answers two questions. One of them is, who do I reach out to? And the beauty of the people who have had on our podcast is that they're all willing to give back. They're all happy to have that conversation. And so you're more likely to get a response from guests on our show than, you know, any person on, on LinkedIn. 
And then to your earlier point around researching the person before you have the chat with them, it kind of answers a question of, right, how do I approach this situation? If you listen to their podcast interview and find out that, I don't know, Hayley Hamp from the Collingwood Football Club who works in the marketing team there has come over from Perth, then you've got a conversation starter right there. And so it makes it a lot easier to, to get going. So I think that's that's a great approach. Just work your way through the directory of sports grad podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> or, and, it, and it's wide ranging, right? Mm. I mean, there are certain things I was like, oh, yeah, I guess there is someone that does that job in Australia or oh yeah, I forgot about that. That's something that, oh yeah, maybe, maybe I'd want to do that in five, 10 years from now or something. So. <laughs> well, that's kind of like our, you know, our sort of guilty pleasure and all of it. What job would we love to do? Oh, let's, <laughs> let's find them and talk to them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> cool. Beautiful. Last question. Last question. This one comes from Bill. He says, hey, Aman, I'm really keen to reach out to uh, a person in events. However, I've never met them. How do I get their attention if I'm emailing them cold? Well, Bill, I think this is the one that I get, you know, I get most excited about, right? Because it's it's a little bit of a challenge, right? And you kind of maybe have to approach it that way. Um, so one, I, I would recommend, again, what I've kind of been talking about as an overarching theme to today is do your research, right? Understand who this person is. Do a quick Google. Do a LinkedIn search. And to the question prior, right? How do you reach out to people? I don't know anyone. Well, there are a lot of things that you can put in your email that help you stand out. It's all about building connection. And the best way to do that, and honestly, I think this this podcast is kind of a cheat code for that. And I say that because if they're on the list of sports grad, you could say, I listen to sports grad podcasts and I'm a big fan and I resonated with your episode. Hopefully you're being genuine because if you're not, it will definitely come out at some point. So <laughs> if it's not, then maybe it's not the right fit. So, you know, I heard you on this podcast. Great. That's, an, that, 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 that's a simple thing to say, this is how I found you. I'm interested in what you do. Where are they from, right? If there's a Canadian, there's someone from Winnipeg, it automatically shoots to the top of my inbox or you know, it shoots the top of the interest list because I'm interested, right? There's a shared connection that I love talking about Canada. I love talking about Winnipeg, Halifax, wherever I've been. Another one you can do is school, right? I went to Dalhousie. People that went to Dalhousie, I am more likely to respond to them than someone that didn't go to Dalhousie. <laughs> Not that I have anything against other people that went to other places, um, specifically St. Mary's University. I mean, obviously they're they're fine, but um, <laughs> sorry, St. Mary's University is is a university in Halifax that literally shares a road. I mean, people say that Duke and North Carolina are close. We're talking like eight hundred feet apart. <laughs> universities in Halifax. Um, and so that being said, like if you went to a school, that's always a good one. So what, what I do is I cheat sometimes. So I didn't go to University of Winnipeg. I didn't go to University of Manitoba. And for that reason, I didn't go to all of the other Canadian universities. But what sometimes I'll do when I'm going to a new city is I'll go on LinkedIn and I'll search for those universities in the specific city. So again, I didn't do it this time because again, there's so many people coming into Cleveland for All-Star Weekend. But like, if I was going to Boston, I would look up how many Dow grads there are, how many San Diego State grads they are. What do they do? Are they in sports? Are they not in sports? Can I reach out and say, hey, I'm a San Diego State grad. I'm in town. Would love to connect, right? And it helps that I have a sports email address. Now, you may not have that. However, you can be creative. Usually my format for an email, a cold email, which again, I haven't written one in a long time to a certain extent, but it's, this is who I am, why I'm reaching out, why I picked you specifically to reach out and then potentially, you know, setting up the, the ask, what is your ask? Right. And if something might go, Hey Ruben, Hey Ryan, I'm a student at Dalhousie university and I'm interested in sports business. I see that you guys have a podcast and I've listened to a number of episodes and think they're fantastic. I'm thinking about starting my own podcast here at Dalhousie and taking a similar approach and building a community. Would you be willing to spend 15 to 20 minutes talking to me about how we might improve, how I might improve or some of the things that you may have learned during your time 
while building sports grad from the ground up. Sincerely, Armand. Something mm. like that, right? And again, it's playing around with the format. Mm. What I wrote, you know, 10 years ago to what I wrote a year later to what I wrote three years later to what I wrote today, totally different. And honestly, I look back at it again. It's the practice, right? It's the, God, this is not working, right? Oh, wow, <laughs> this really worked. And what that actually helped was it actually translated into my actual job. When I was writing outreach for the sales team, I found that I was really good at it. And <laughs> to the point where like I would look up and I, this is the one thing I, this is the one outreach I loved was we were writing to a trucking company. And when I looked on their website, they had some photos and it was their CEO accepting awards. And every time the CEO accepted an award or was it pictured accepting an award, he wore a red tie. Kansas City Chiefs are red. So my PS line, and again, I like, I love a good PS line. Really, <laughs> really do. It's my, it's one of my favorite things to do. I put, I see that you wear red when accepting trophies. Red happens to be our lucky color here. I feel like there's some synergy we could talk about. Again, I don't think it was That's that. So good. Awesome <laughs> yeah. where it was like, Smooth. you seem to wear red when you win, right? Like we wear a lot of red and we happen to win. Again, <laughs> you get the point. Love but it. Anyway, I was so proud of that one because I managed to come up with it. However, however, it's, about creating that, right? Like, you know, PS, I've never been to Australia. I want to come sometime or whatever the case may be, right? Mm. So, or, or, or for example, if I was reaching out to Ruben and Ryan, I might go, PS, I happen to work for Australia's, you know, favorite NBA team, right? Or whatever the case mm. may be, right? <laughs> Playing on the Patty, the Ben, the Kyrie, yeah. the Sean, right? Like it's finding those connections. Here's the thing. It is hard work. It's easy to take and copy and paste and do the same thing over and over. And you're going to have mixed results. What you can do is you can get the format down and you can change certain parts of it to be more specific to, for example, Ruben and Ryan, things that they may resonate with, right? Um, so that would be my kind of feedback and, and, and approach to that. That's phenomenal. Yeah. I love, I think you might have to start using the PS line. That was well, uh, very creative. <laughs> well, I think the, the email that you spoke out there is literally the template for any email. You just need to switch out certain elements of it. So those listening literally have a cold email now that they can go out with fresh from a man. You might have to copyright it because it is that good. <laughs> and they just have to change elements of it. And that's like literally just how you're going to do it, you know. You don't want to have a full paragraph or a full essay like where it's too long, right? Yeah. One of the things I've learned working in sports is that like when communicating to executives, keep it short, keep it simple, right? Like what is the goal? Why are you reaching out? And, you know, how can they help more or less, right? Mm. And yeah. one thing I will say that I, I, I learned this from someone who was a mentor at San Diego State. He said, don't ask for 30 minutes because if you put 30, I'm going to assume it's going to run long. So he's like, always put 15 to 20. I don't know. That's what mm. I always do because mm. it's not, it's 15 to 20 seems a lot less daunting because when anyone makes it, uh, a meeting in Outlook, right? In Microsoft Outlook, it's always automatically set for 30. Mm. So what are they going to do? Change it to 15? Probably not. Now, in my entire time, I've only had like two people say I only have 15 minutes. So again, it can happen where they're just like, I've only got 15. But if they're mm. that busy, 15 is all they're going to get. Then that's all you're going to take, right? Yeah. Like, um, so yeah, so I, I would often do like if you have 15 to 20 minutes, I would love to speak to you about, you know, some of these things and, and, and learn from you, right? Like it's an opportunity to gush about that person, right? Mm, yeah. What am I doing right now? I'm talking about myself and what I, like, people love to talk about themselves. Like it's yeah. not hard, right? <laughs> to get people talking about themselves. So, um, and, and I'm no exception. So mm. it also shows that like you're willing to literally just take 15 minutes of their time. Like you, you you're valuing their time so highly that you're happy mm -hmm. to just use only 15 minutes of it. Mm. Like, that's pretty cool, right? Mm. I mean, it, I, I will say is you have to be flexible, right? You have to meet them where it's the least amount of resistance. I have a story specifically. And again, I, I know I'm taking too much time here, obviously, just ranting on and on. No, I keep stories going. About <laughs> um, so the Cleveland Cavaliers, they had this guy who was one of the head of partnerships. He's still there, right? He actually left and came back. And I remember when I was talking to him, he was so busy. And he said, call me at like, I think it was 7.30 in the morning. He was Eastern time. So that was 6.30 my time. So I literally <laughs> said, I will take it. Because he was like, I'm driving, I'll answer the phone. 
So I literally got up at like 6.30 in the morning, which was early at that time for me. I don't know why, but it was early. And I called him. And again, I was half asleep to be quite fair because I did wake up like a minute before. (laughs) But when I talked to him, and it was actually funny enough, he actually did it. They actually, he was very proud of this. I did my research. They had Matthew Deladova at the time. And they did an Australian night or Australian activation with a brand. And he was super proud of it. And I brought it up. And for some reason, he still thinks highly of me to this day. To the point where when I came to Cleveland, he was like, oh, he's like, uh, come my, my Cavaliers buddies were like, hey, you should come to our event. You should come say hi. Um, and we didn't, our schedules didn't work. But it's to that point where it's like one phone call changed mm. his perception of me forever. Right. Mm. And it's not to say that like I'm his favorite or anything like that. But it's the idea that like where you meet people, like I'm busy a lot of the time during the day. I'm willing to chat outside of the day or when I'm walking to work or I've got 15 minutes when I'm heading, you know, from the subway stop to the station, like I'm willing to do whatever you tell me what time is free and we'll make it work. Now, the flip of that is that when you suggest times, when you ask them to suggest times, it might take longer. So I would recommend saying when they say, when they agree to it, give a multiple list, potentially across a week of large or as many as you can with the windows of times. So it's easier for them to go, yep, Wednesday at 5.30 to 6, I can do that. Send me the invite and then go from there. So that's another thing too, when you're setting up the interview, the informational interview, try to make it as turnkey as possible. If they say none of those times work, say, okay, what time can work for you? I'll meet you at your schedule. Mm. And then again, it's, it's just removing the barriers throughout the entire process. Yep. I love that. Make it easy as possible for them to say yes. And one other point real quickly, when you were giving your example about, you know, starting a podcast and reaching out to Ruben and Ryan, one of the things you leveraged there really well was people's just ingrained um, nature to help other people. Like as soon as when you were saying that, I was like, I want, I want to help this person. Like we've started a podcast and we've done some cool stuff with it. I want to help someone else who's trying to do similar sort of things like it's just human nature to want to kind of help other people. And if you can make it vividly clear how I can help you, I'm highly likely to say yes to that. So I think um, that's another lever you pulled on really well. Yeah. I mean, most people are really good. Most people have been in a position that all three of us have been in at some point in their life where, you know, it's hard. The sports industry is hard. It's not impossible, but sometimes it's hard to get your foot in the door and people are willing to genuinely help, right? Someone reached out to me and said, Hey, you know, I'm trying to get an internship. I've only had one interview and it didn't work out. What am I doing? And I was like, okay, well, like, let's try to like deconstruct it. And I I don't owe this kid anything, but for me, right. It's, he took the time he reached out. And then he's asked me now again for help. And I'm sure it took him a long time to write that email back to me, right? It was all very properly worded. And I went back and go, hey, how can I help? Like, what can I do? Let me look at your resume. Let me see if I can provide any insights. What, you know, let's go back to the drawing board. Like, let's reapproach the problem. And so I I have a busy life, you know, but I'm willing to take time that those are willing to put it in, right? What I don't like is when people take time and they're not prepared. And it really irks me, right? And that's just who I am, which is why what I do to avoid that, and again, it does, some people say this is the right thing, some people say this is not the right thing. I will send people to have listened to my other interviews so that they know what they're getting into. They can ask good questions. I'm giving them a little bit of homework, right? Because I'm gonna put all 30 minutes into that call. And my time is valuable, right? I, I can say that without being, without feeling bad about it because I have a personal life. I have a professional life. I have other extra particulars. I've, 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 got, I've got friends mm. and their time is valuable too, right? Like I didn't need to take an hour out of my day post work to talk to you guys, but I mm. wanted to because I love what you guys are doing, right? And when you have that relationship, like I don't expect anything out of this other than I just want to help you guys, right? And there are tons of people like this like you guys in the industry. And sometimes you don't find them. Sometimes you get stuck with people that don't want to do that. And that's honestly, that's not the industry that I know that there are more people like us that want to help than there are people that don't. And every now and then you're going to find someone that doesn't, but for the most part, you will find someone that 
has been in your position, has gone through the struggles, like, and they can resonate with you and are, and are willing to help as long as you make it easier for them to do that as well too. Aman, you're going to have to pin that LinkedIn post of our podcast episode with you to your LinkedIn profile so you can just refer people to it quickly. <laughs> I've got it saved in the link somewhere that I can put it into an email. Love it. But I think that absolutely helps the person on the receiving end too. So there's, you know, no, you know, reason why you shouldn't be doing that. I think it's a, a great approach for both people there. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, um, we might leave it there. It's it's been genuinely awesome. Uh, come, you know, getting these questions from members and you know everyone who's asked a question will genuinely be really appreciative of of all the wisdom you, you've been able to pass on today because just every single question there you have something tangible and something that they can go and go and do. Everything's actionable. So I think we're just really thankful for you, for you coming on and and just sharing your knowledge, mate. Because you know people dream about. The position that you're in and they'd love to be working for the, the mighty brooklyn nets and I, I did notice your merch by the way it's an unreal jumper um <laughs> yeah but it's uh it, again this is this is part of you know why i was excited about brooklyn it's very much not just about basketball it's about culture so this is like a jean-michel basquiat jersey that's on a sweater to a certain extent that we did last year um Love that's it. just it's super cool and like i didn't know much about basquiat until i moved to brooklyn and Again, just how impactful he was and what we've done that's changed culture too. Um, you know, we had a painting of him from uh, that was basically auctioned off for like $40 million. And then they displayed it inside our crown club here at Barclays. So that was just like super wow. cool. And I, again, I'm, I'm gushing about it. But again, honored to be on this podcast again. You guys are doing such great work. You know, I, I just even hearing you guys talk and do the opening intro and like go back <laughs> and forth, even to see the growth for that is just really cool for me as well, too, because you guys do great stuff. Uh, thank you. Awesome. Well, you're very good at breaking things down, Aman. So I'm sure we'll have you back on at some point in the future. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I hope the next it. time we see you it might be in Brooklyn or, or you'll be here in Melbourne. We'll, we'll never know. So, uh, yeah, thanks again, mate. Yeah. Really appreciate it. Well, guys, we hope you enjoyed that episode with Aman. He's certainly got some great tips on networking. If you want to go out and put them into practice, make sure you get to a sports grad meetup. As I said at the top of the episode, we're in Perth tomorrow night, the 3rd of November at the Wembley Hotel. We're then in Sydney on the 10th of November at the Commons in the Sydney CBD. And then this is the big one, Melbourne, November 11 at Centrepiece in the heart of the Melbourne Sporting Precinct on Friday night. Grab a ticket through the show notes and we cannot wait to see you there. Thanks very much, guys. See you later.